0: Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Cena, and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And in today's one, this is huge. We have Almenda Singh Dillon on the podcast, the teenage founder of Boot Buddy. If the name sounds familiar, it's because he was the youngest ever person in Dragon's Den history to get successful investment. And not only with one dragon, but with three of them. The business and Almenda have been featured across loads of TV channels, obviously. Uh, so we talk about his experience on Dragon's Den, some behind-the-scenes Dragon's Den secrets that I had no idea about, and what life is like uh, once he got that um, investment. And also about how the dragon, what the dragons are like once the cameras are off. I've always wanted to ask that, uh, so it's good to finally find out. We spoke about how also he went from an idea uh, to manufacturing in China on a mass scale, along with advice for anyone out there who's thinking of launching a physical product idea. It was a really cool experience for me. I learned a lot about a show that I've been watching for many years. So yeah, I hope I hope you like it as well. So this week's shout out, which is a new thing that we're doing. So basically, uh, I said in the previous episode, but I've started a new thing on the podcast where I give a shout out to someone who's just leave, left a written review on Apple Podcasts just because I thought, you know, all these people are reviewing the podcast and it's been really cool, but they're not, they're not getting enough love. They're not getting enough um, attention. So yeah, this week's shout out goes to Keita Kandwala who says, I love this show because it's something that's finally relatable to young entrepreneurs. Super inspiring to hear young founder stories. So yeah, thank you so much for that for that message. And if you do want to get featured on a future episode for a little shout out by me, um, maybe in the next episode, who knows, then leave a written review on Apple Podcast. and I'll be sure to leave a shout out for you. Also be sure to follow us on our new Instagram page. Uh, that's where all the new episodes get announced and it'd be a shame if you miss any subscribe as well on apple podcasts and i know this is a long episode but trust me it's definitely worth it it was a really really cool conversation with arminda so without further ado let's go on with the episode hey arminda how are you i'm good good how are you Cena? yeah mate really really good really good to finally have you on the podcast um yeah i've been really looking forward to having you on for a, for a while
1: yeah, thank you very much for having me.
0: I mean, there's so much I'd, I'd love to talk about because I remember actually a few years ago, way before I started the podcast, I I actually watched you on Dragons Den, which is crazy to think. When, well, well, like, what year was that? It was like 2016,
1: 2017? Yeah, it was about. The, I think it was the summertime of 2016. The actual show aired, so that was feels like wow. such a long time ago.
0: Yeah, I actually remember like pretty well watching it. I'm like, fuck, like, wow, this guy is like 15 years old. That's crazy, and he's come up with this with this product because I play football myself, and I I always have to like, you know, clean my boots after a, after a game, and it's just so long. It's just yeah, it's really annoying. So I remember watching it. I'm like, that is there. Yeah, that's a decent idea. I don't know how it that didn't exist before. And I guess that's something that a lot of people must have said to you. So it's really cool to actually, yeah, it's a matter thing that you're actually on the podcast now, which is pretty cool. Um, so kind of like, you had you had three dragons invest in you as well, which is which is fairly unique, and it made you like the youngest person to get investment on the on the on Dragons Den history, right?
1: Yeah, so um, we were backed by Tukasuliman, Peter Jones, and Deborah Meaden, um, and obviously when I went into the den, I was about 15 years old. So that kind of combination of being the youngest person and also having uh, the kind of the title of not just being the youngest, but also the youngest person with the most investors, um, that was something that was quite unique and cool. Um, As you can imagine, being in that position, it brings all its different kind of uh, problems and it brings also its different kind of, you know, uses, I guess, having three different investors. Um so that's yeah. quite interesting.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. I remember watching it and you went in with you went in with your mum and your brother. And yeah. yeah, it was really nice to see like the three of you in in there. Um so like like what was that actually experience like?
1: Um well, okay, for us personally it's um it's a bit different because I don't think most people who went on the show had quite the experience we had because where the the dragons den is now filmed, so I'll give you a quick story. Um it's filmed in manchester and what happened was because we live in london the producers told us that they booked a hotel room for us uh, to stay the night in so we said okay that's not a problem and they just said stay in the hotel and be camera ready by 5 a.m the following day 5 a.m <laughs> yeah 5 a.m <laughs> yeah so they, they, just remember i've that never done point. the pitch
0: at five in the morning
1: well, this is the thing. you got to remember this key point, right? So we get there, and it's about 1 a.m., and my sister rings my mum, and she's hyperventilating, and she goes, you won't believe what's happened. And what happened was we'd left our suitcase in London with my mum's clothes in it, her makeup, and also our due diligence papers, so we couldn't have even pitched.
0: Oh, no. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So this is the, the day that we were meant to go pitch. So anyway, we were kind of... We're panicking now. We're thinking, oh god, this is like not because of oh we can't go pitch. Mainly because my mum was so angry, uh, and you know rightly so <laughs> because that was all her stuff. So um, we were trying to we being my brother and I we're trying to figure a kind of ways to get this bag up, and we couldn't take a plane, we couldn't get a train, or we couldn't drive back because it it wouldn't have been viable to get to the studio at five a.m. So yeah, the solution was we called a, an Uber all the way from our, our house in uh, London and we called an Uber all the way from there to Manchester just for one suitcase. And uh, I remember no that way. Yeah, yeah, I remember the night cause, because the guy rang us and he goes, uh, are you drunk? And we were like, no, we're completely sober. We've just forgotten a bag. We really need it. <laughs> and, and the thing is, the guy was umming and ahing because he was like, look, I don't want to drive to Manchester. And we were like, we were yeah. doing everything we could to convince him, and then eventually he goes, "All right, fine, I'm coming." So he drove, bless him. This guy drove all the way from London to Manchester, and we didn't sleep all night. And he got to the hotel room about, well, the bag got to the hotel room about four, maybe three thirty in the morning. Um, and then we were in the studio by five, and then obviously we were rehearsing, practicing on pitch. I can't give away too much of like the mechanics of the show, but um, we kind of didn't pitch until 3:30 in the afternoon so before we've even stepped foot in into the you know the infamous den and done all that stuff we just kind of had the the most kind of i guess awful start anyone could have to their day um and then once we got in there it was just yeah it is quite intense because you have the dragons obviously sat right in front of you and they're asking all these questions yeah yeah and if you're not, you know, if you're not prepared, then you're you're pretty much screwed. But if you're also like what yeah. happened if you're just kind of thrown off already, then it's just like wow, yeah, it makes it even harder. Yeah, like you got you got like no sleep. Yeah, <laughs> pr- yeah, pretty much. And then I remember as well after that we we stayed around because the dragons wanted to meet us, so we had to wait for other people to finish pitching, and we didn't even leave Manchester until about
0: eight thirty in the evening. Mate, that's crazy. I didn't know. Mate, that Uber driver is the unsung hero. Yeah, <laughs> he no, doesn't no, get enough crazy. credit. This guy,
1: that, that Uber driver. I remember that day because it the the cab cost was uh, I don't know. I think it was above four hundred pounds or something like that. And uh, obviously, yeah. then we gave the guy a tip as well because you know he he'd done a sort of massive favour. Um, but yeah, that guy, he yeah saved us pretty much the embarrassment of going oh well we haven't got the paperwork we haven't got this we haven't got that
0: yeah yeah that's mental to think and i guess kind of in the long run it, it worked out because you you did actually get you got investment in the yeah, end yeah pretty much um, I mean, that's yeah.
1: probably the best investment we've
0: made <laughs> in terms of that, that yeah I don't. That's, that's quite a funny story i haven't yeah that's quite cool and um so why actually like I'm interested about how the sort of like experience works. So like why actually have, like what is the actual application process like to get on Dragon's Den? Is that what you wanted to go on the whole time or was it kind of just an, like something was it an option to go on?
1: No, I to be honest with you. So whenever I tell people this, they kind of they're shocked. But we actually signed up for a lot um because what happened yeah and it sounds really terrible saying that but no what happened was everyone always used to say to us oh you should go on dragons Den. you should go on dragons Den." and then one day we just (laughs) we kind of did some research on it and there was a an application form and um so we'd actually applied but there's there's applications that go to different cities within the uk so we I don't know how somehow applied to the one in uh the like the Manchester group who deal with all the applications and they obviously then passed it down to the people in London um who actually got in contact with us saying oh we noticed your application but this wasn't actually until 12 months after we had submitted the application so we really? kind of yeah wow. we we forgot about it all and then they'd given us this you know follow up email saying oh hey are you still interested? And we thought, uh, are we interested? You know, we kind of did a lot of arming and ahhing. And then we just thought, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? You know, we might as well go. Anyway, so we, we met the lady who was considered, uh, I guess, each person has like a handler in the sense that they're the ones who gets them into the process, into the show, all that kind of stuff. Um, so our lady showed Natalie, really lovely lady, uh, met her once or twice. And then she goes, okay, I've organised um, this time in and uh, this room in recording studios. I want you to come and film a mini pitch, introducing yourself to the producers. So we went, okay, so we went along, did this uh, pitch on a camera, waited a few months, and then Nathy goes, okay, right, I need you to come back in because we're going to brief you about what's going to happen now. I went okay. So we go back in and we had to sign all these forms and documents and they had to do due diligence on us to make sure that we weren't, you know, like rogue traders and we weren't going to run off with the dragon's money (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, we were who we said we were and all that kind of stuff. Um, Once we'd done that, they said, "Okay, guys, what you need to do is keep yourself pretty much open for the next couple of months and we'll tell you a date and time and you've just got to go there to do the pitching and we were like what? Oh, okay Such a whiz. What? yeah 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 it, it was a it's a really like they keep you on your toes a lot um so anyway so we went okay cool not a problem a <sighs> couple of weeks passed still nothing M- month passes nothing and finally another email saying okay guys we need you to come up to our studios and uh do the filming and then yeah, that that was it, really. Then the whole story I just said before about the Uber and all that kind of stuff happened, and then yeah, we went into the den yeah. itself, and then yeah, you could. So the the whole process is actually really, uh, really different at each stage.
0: May it sounds long as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's something that's not a joke. It's really quite a lengthy process. I mean, if you're not, if you're not going into it, like. Seriously, then you can you know you can shoot yourself in the foot. I mean, we didn't go into it seriously initially when we sent off the application, but when we started doing things like doing the mini pitch for the producers, that's when we were like okay actually this is this is getting real now. It's not kind of a a bit of a laugh and joke that we thought before,
0: yeah, yeah, so how long was that like the whole process of you actually sent off your application to the point where you got like you actually were in front of the dragons how long did that take oh
1: i couldn't even tell you it was definitely over way longer than one year
0: that is crazy that is so mental because your business must have totally changed in that time frame
1: oh yeah 100 percent. yeah because we within one year drastic changes were happening because at that stage we were just starting off so we were you know constantly making different changes every day Because we hadn't even, you know, it's not like the Boot Buddy was a brand that people recognized then, you know, it was something that was a completely brand new concept. I mean, it still is in the sense that the idea hadn't, you know, been thought of before and it's still unique in that sense. But when we first started, it was, yeah, it it was really different, actually. And obviously, after the whole year had passed we then had to reevaluate what we wanted to ask the dragons and how we were going to pitch and, and you know, kind of what we could present as figures, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It yeah, it changed everything quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Before we kind of move on, I'm a bit conscious we actually forgot to do this, but for people who don't know what actually is uh, boot buddy. We <laughs> <I> just totally <laughs> forgot to ask you that. <laughs>
1: no, no, that's fine, side. Um so the boot buddy essentially is a portable cleaning device for any type of muddy footwear. So how it works is you have a bottle that you can fill with water and that holds the same amount as a Coke can, which I believe is 500 or, or something something around that region, um, yeah. milliliters. And um, what, what you do is you take the back end of the boot body, which has a scraper to remove large clumps of mud, And once you've done that, you unlock the head at the front, which is a brush head. And once you've unlocked it, you can squeeze the boot body itself to allow the water to flow out. However, once you lock the head of the boot body, no water would leak out because it's been designed so that you can throw the boot body into your kit bag or into the boot of your car and it can be rolling around and no water will leak out everywhere. Um, Because that's like a, a big problem with these type of products because everyone kind of overlooks the importance of the portability and, you know, kind of actually making the the product leak proof in a sense. So that's the boot buddy and that's how it works essentially.
0: All right. Sick. There you go. (laughs) So let's go back to the dragon's dead. (laughs) Basically. um, (laughs) So what actually happens like uh, directly after, so you got the investment, so Mm -hmm. what actually happens like directly after like right like literally you shake hands and you go back into the lift what's next
1: uh well you just have a massive party really okay (laughs) uh no no i wish no i I wish that was the case that's that's far from the reality The, the reality is uh once you walk out of the dead and you go back into that lift um, you then have to deal with more due diligence from the dragons because even though the BBC do their own kind of due diligence, um, the dragons have to do it themselves because obviously it's real money, you know it's it's kind of their name and their reputation. So even before it gets aired or anything like that, the dragons do their own background checks on the business, on yourselves as individuals and all that kind of stuff um, just to make sure again that you're not going to run off with their money because in the past, there have been candidates who have unfortunately done that to the Dragons, where they've taken the investment. Well, they just um, like run off deliberately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they they've um, they've deliberately tanked the business, withdrawn all the funds from it, and then just disappeared. Like that, that's happened before. What um, Yeah, yeah, that's uh, so. That's why they do their due diligence, but obviously with us because um, we're not those type of people, and um, we actually went in there seriously as a as a serious business. Um, we kind of breezed through that process because, you know, they saw that everything was up to date and, you know, we didn't have anything to hide. So when, when they kind of did their checks and, you know, they kind of saw that we had good intentions, um, then they were like, okay, yeah, cool. This is, this is great. And then we just had to sign the contracts and things like that. Um, obviously with with signing contracts and things like that, it always takes time because both parties in this case, there were three dragons and us. So there's a lot of different people who have to read the contracts and make sure they're happy with what's going on and, and what they're signing um but once you do that then it's uh yeah then it's kind of you you then get the go ahead from the b b c and they're like okay this day your your episode should be airing and then you kind of work around
0: it and do a media push okay so what like what what t v channels were you on and stuff
1: yeah I think we managed to so obviously b b c two um for the Dragon's Den and then the follow up show the the pitches to riches um and we'd also gone on ITV a couple of times uh, I was on London Live got roasted got
0: roasted by Piers Andrew. Morgan
1: <laughs> yeah yeah got roasted by Piers Morgan which was fun um I'm trying to think because to be honest with you I I never really it sounds silly but I never actually really remembered too much of the tv interviews it was just kind of a case of i just went and did them Um, yeah i get you but yeah i think those are the ones that spring to mind
0: yeah when you were actually in because i I remember listening to you on another podcast you actually said and this this kind of surprised me for a sec but then i was like yeah that makes that makes sense now i think about it but you were in you were actually there pitching for i think you said like two and a half hours but when you actually watch it It's only like 10 minutes
1: oh yeah yeah i mean it was um it's it was a very long process which is which is quite i mean people forget as well the dragons are investing their own money it's not monopoly money it's real cash so they're gonna have to kind of delve into the business and now obviously with the show dragons then it's it's an entertainment show like it's it's for viewers entertainment you know to see people go in and ask ask for like ridiculous sums of money and you know make ridiculous claims and all those kind of things but when it gets to the actual uh interrogation part of you know really delving into the business and seeing what what there is to it um obviously that doesn't always make for great tv so the fact that it's edited down, it it does make sense because obviously you know the BBC are trying to put something out there that everyone's going to find interesting because I don't think many people would find you know cash flow forecasts or kind of you know talking about a balance sheet riveting stuff you know it's kind yeah. of it's but it's something that the Dragons have to ask about and have to look into because at the end of the day it is it's a serious investment
0: mm, yeah in they're making yeah. I, cause I I remember watching it and so you were like 15 16 at the time and like it was like a minute in i don't even think that you said anything i think you might have said like a couple words and then the next like scene was yeah arminda has to leave because he's like 15 or 16 and i was like okay i don't really get that but so you weren't actually like when you, when i actually watched the back you weren't in it for for a lot for like most of it
1: yeah so i i was in there a lot longer than five minutes um but <laughs> unfortunately because of the way things are edited it, it just looked like i kind of walked in yeah uh, said hello walked yeah that was um that was quite funny actually because a lot of people went uh, after the show they said to me like did you even do anything i said yes i did <laughs> but it's been edited out yeah so you know that that was quite that was quite funny actually, but um yeah that that did really happen though I did actually have to leave, um but I'm glad I did because I think it would have allowed the dragons to to uh be comfortable enough to really rip into the to the business and kind of say things that you know were truthful and potentially could have you know uh obviously in the in that in their eyes potentially hurt the feelings of a young kid. Now obviously yeah that that's not a great position to be in if you're asking that person to look to invest in you because if they can't feel comfortable enough critiquing the business then they're definitely not going to invest
0: yeah they don't want to make you cry or anything do they, <laughs> they no, feel bad. Yeah,
1: exactly i think i think that also that would have that would have been absolutely humiliating on national tv if i just yeah. started breaking down to, would have been prime I tv been, though uh,
0: for entertainment uh, yeah <laughs> I
1: could, I, yeah that's true i could have had a talk show by now I could have had you know made a spin-off of it you know yeah
0: yeah although like the internet's not a very nice place i feel like a lot of abuse would come in if, if that did happen i don't know maybe not maybe oh, it would gone yeah. The other way. but yeah it's probably good it's yeah. probably good in the long run because they were they were comfortable asking all those questions yeah no definitely so how like so you're with you're with uh you're with those three dragons how like how much exposure do you actually get to them like how how much interaction do you actually get with them that's what i I think a lot of people want to know that
1: uh okay so this is the thing it's um it's weird because each dragon has a different style uh so Tuka pretty much you can like Tuka is the most accessible you can pick up the phone and just ring Tuka or you can just you know drop him an email or something like that and say look can I please see you some point during this week and he'll be like yeah no problem just come to the office and we can have a chat and um, yeah so Tuka is like super accessible uh, Peter is not as accessible however he does have uh, someone who is his head of investments Who is like really useful? Um, a guy called John. He's he's like really lovely. He knows, he knows a lot of different um, just pieces of information because he's worked with different investments and and things like that. So he worked with um Levi Roots, uh, like one of Peter's most uh, famous investments. Um, so he's worked closely with uh, Levi and and that that brand and helping building that brand. Um, and then Deborah, we see kind of. I guess once a month. I guess you could say, or or in terms of in person, but otherwise she's quite, you know, like you could just drop Deborah an email and you'd get a response back, kind of thing. It's it's like, yeah, if you, if you make the effort to reach out to these guys, there there are like ways of them getting back to you, if that makes sense. It's not like kind of, you know, you you drop them an email and you never hear back like that. That rarely happens.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. What are they actually like when the cameras are off?
1: oh yeah, they're really nice people, really nice people I think uh one one thing that people don't realize is, especially with like, I think I guess Deborah's known for it the most because you see it on the den is like Deborah's always the one who's like who really gets stuck in with the questioning and asked like really intense questions um but yeah, no, they're really lovely, like they're they're just normal people well, as 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 strange as it sounds to say it because people assume that they must always be like you know 24 7 like they are on the camera but no they're actually yeah they're, they're they're quite um they're quite normal in the sense that you could just have a conversation with them and you know that's it it doesn't it's not always business okay yes majority of the time we do talk we always end up talking about other businesses and you know kind of future ideas and all that kind of stuff but that's natural because they're investors right but yeah. Um, yeah, I think you know a good example is when they filmed the follow-up show in our well, my parents' fish and chip shops. You know, behind the scenes, you just had Peter Jones drinking a cup of tea, leaning up against the skip. Now, like that's quite you wouldn't expect that from someone who's worth five hundred million,
0: mm, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah.
1: Like it, most people would just kind of assume he wouldn't he wouldn't be that kind of chilled out or. or normal i guess like you know that he doesn't really mind drinking a cup of tea in the back of a chip shop kind of thing it's like you know even he was serving customers actually that was quite funny
0: yeah, yeah i saw i saw that they actually recorded him doing that but it was, I, I thought it was just for the cameras i thought it was just i don't know i thought it was just a joke that he was just doing
1: yeah, no I- yeah, no, he actually insisted on doing that. It was quite funny.
0: Oh, fair enough, fair enough. I think we kind of forgot about this. That um, so you actually work. I don't know if you still work there, but like your your parents and stuff. Like they own you. You come from like a fish and chip background.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. Yeah. So we've um, we've got shops in uh, Um So we used to have uh, another shop in Fulham, So we had like three, uh, which is nothing crazy you know, but we kind of downsized. So now we have uh, two shops, but yeah, we still own those businesses and we still run them. Like you'll still find me in the shops working with my mom and dad, you know, kind of in terms of helping them out, like running the business while still doing boot buddy and obviously still doing uh university as I'm, I'm in, well, I just finished my first year. Um But yeah, so I, I'm kind of, yeah, it's funny because people don't expect that when I say to them, I like, I still help out in the shops and I'm still there because people just assume that I would, I'd do everything I could to distance myself from them, you know, after being, you know, (laughs) but it's true though. Like after, after going on, on dragon's end and whatnot, people just assume that I'd be like, Oh, well, you know, I I don't need to go there because I've got my own business and this and that, but it's like, it's far from it because uh, to be honest with you, uh, the fish and chip shops are actually what taught uh, my brother and I, especially the kind of basics of business and, and how to run something that you know requires a lot of effort you know it, okay yes they're mm. in two completely different fields but there there are still common challenges that you face um with any business
0: yeah for sure It's pretty cool that you still work there um i remember on, on dragon's den i think this is like the last question then we'll move on from dragon's den but yeah, that's right. i remember your mum like talking about how she invested like two hundred and fifty thousand pounds into mm. the business, and I remember like the drag the all their jewels like dropped instantly, and I was like, yeah. And then, because then, like normally when that sort of stuff happens, they don't invest or like there, there's certain things that the dragons just don't like, and it's just like well, that's one of them. Another one's like a high valuation, like overly high. Yeah. So like all that stuff, were well, you kind of like really apprehensive of them? But in the end, they did respond all right to it. Um, I think. The reason why we because we weren't really apprehensive, and, and I think the reason why is
1: because when obviously you don't see the whole pitch, but there was a lot more of a conversation around that topic because I, I remember uh, I I got to watch some of it when I wasn't in, inside the den, um, and that bit of the conversation came up, and I remember watching it on this um screen with the other producers, um, but kind of the the dragons weren't they weren't don't, don't get me wrong they were shocked. But they weren't uh, too shocked because they realized that uh, with our pitch and, and the way we came across and the, the way we kind of explained things, uh, they knew that it wasn't a case of we had just invested this money willy-nilly because a lot of businesses that go in there, people might just start chucking money at it and, and you know, really get into a position where they they're in the red by a significant amount, but they don't know how to claw it back. Or, or how to make it work. And I'm not saying we do, but I think what gave the dragons a bit more confidence was the fact that, you know, it was my mum's business background, how how she kind of t- took her experience in business and her confidence to invest in us. And the fact that we were part of that kind of collective, you know, we we had some experience and, you know, we knew what we were doing vaguely, but with the help of these guys, you know, we could expand the business to something much greater.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. Right after you went on Dragons Den, how was how was life like for you? I know, I, like that was meant to be the last one, but no, no, I've I'm cool, sure. <laughs> I'm cool sure with it. Uh, yeah. So, what was like? What was life like? Ex- like afterwards, compared to like before? To be honest with you, it was pretty much
1: the same. I mean, the the only difference was um now and again and it actually to be honest with you I'm surprised myself you know 4 years down the line it still happens but you get that you used to have okay a lot more closer to the time I'd have people recognize me and you know that was kind of I didn't like that um because sometimes you know really? I used to call, Yeah yeah I mean it still happens now as well and it's not like the the thing the thing I don't like is it, when people come up to me and it's happened many times And they ask questions and things like that. I, that doesn't bother me. You know, I'm, I'm quite like a, a relaxed person. Like, you know, if anyone has come up to me before, even at speaking events and, you know, they ask different questions and things like that, I'm, I'm like more than happy to give advice and like chat to people. That's just me. But what I never liked was, um, when people used to ask really like probing financial questions. So for example, uh, you know, I was, what this is so 2017. This is about a year after the show, right? And uh, I just gone to the local shop to get some milk, and a random woman—I literally—I—I—I had never met her before, and she just grabbed my arm and spun me around and goes, "Oh, you were on—you were on a Dragon's Den. You were so and so." And I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 that was me." And then she was just asking all these questions, so I was just—you know—I was just answering all these questions and whatnot. And then she just, but but the thing is, it, what what was really off-putting was the way she just kind of shouted as well. She was like, "So you must be really rich, da-da-da. and I was like, I was just like, "Look, I, I, first of all, that's not true." I was, like, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, I wish I was. Uh, so I said, and I was just like, I just kind of just, I obviously at the time and, and whenever that happens, I just kind of laugh it off. But really, I, I that I I don't like it because I feel like um, people don't realize the reason why we started the business and why we do it. It wasn't just for, you know, the, the financial gain, I guess you could say it, yeah. was, it was, it was purely because yeah, the idea yeah. was, it was there to help people, you know, change their ideas, but also because I guess in a public setting like that, I don't really like, uh, you know, that kind of attention being drawn. Uh, and yeah. I
0: think,
1: you know, that, that was even still today, like some, you know, I still get that. Well, you know for example i was in a i was in a restaurant with my mom and dad and then throughout the duration of the meal there was this these this other table and they just kept staring at me and, and now i don't mind like because you know at the end of the day I, it doesn't again doesn't bother me but i just found it a bit off-putting do you know what i mean like just to have someone just yeah at and, and i like, just feel like just you're being
0: staring. like watched don't you
1: yeah so like uh, you know even when we go to like I don't know, for example, uh, when we went to get my mum a new car, we went to the showroom and uh, none of the people were being helpful. And then one person, and it's like a common theme, they look on their phone because obviously they Google to make sure it's you. And then they start chatting to everyone else. And then all of a sudden, everyone in the whole showroom is like your best friend. And it's like, I don't mind, like whatever, cool. But it's just like, I don't... don't. Yeah, like I just, I kind of, I prefer when people are a bit more normal about it and, you know, don't kind of, you know, just just act odd, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't really rate that. I don't really, yeah, don't really like that at all. What about on like social media and stuff?
1: Uh, I mean, in terms of social media, I think I, I, so for, for the business, in terms of the business's social media, yes, the following grew, um, which I'm always happy with. Um, in terms of like my personal social media, I kind of just I yeah, I, I tried my best to hide it. Uh in the sense that not because, you know, I I'm a recluse or anything like that. I just didn't really think it was appropriate to put myself out in the public eye, especially when, you know, you have uh, at such a young age, and I'm glad I did it, um, there were you get a lot of internet trolls. Now I think at a young age, if if you did put yourself out on social media like that, I mean at sixteen, and you know you had, you know those kind of comments being left on your pictures or or just constant, you know rubbish coming through. Because I, I still get that now, and I, I used to get it a lot, um, and that was even with my account being hidden, so like not me promoting my own account, saying oh go follow me on you know Instagram, Twitter, whatever, blah blah blah. Um, yeah, it's just yeah it just kind of it just gets a bit draining i guess having to constantly go through the same old messages and see the same old kind of rubbish being sent to you
0: yeah that's so weird to think though because like you were i mean like talking about dragon's den you were only on tv i know you were in there for for, like far longer but you were only in there for like i don't know five minutes or something you weren't in there for that long and even then even then you're still you're getting like internet trolls I think that's that's mental to me
1: yeah I mean I think it's just um I think that's uh just a telltale sign of like people in general I I think uh regardless of what it is or or who the person is there's always going to be someone who has an issue with it and they're always going to voice their opinion so I mean at the end of the day that's just kind of you know, not to sound like one of those people who's plucking out cringy quotes from the internet, but that's just life. You know, that's, you're not going to get away from it. If, <laughs> if, if, if people want to put their opinion out there, whether it's positive or negative, they're just going to put it out there anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's just life, boys and girls. <laughs> okay, so let's move on from Dragon's Den and all of that. If you only tuned in for Dragon's Den, yeah, now's probably a good time to switch off. But for the <laughs> idea, um, Because, like, we've we've had a physical – we've had – I want to get more physical ideas on the podcast. A lot of them have been, like, software, computer-based. But this sort of stuff interests me as well. So how did you go from your, like, prototype, which, like, in all honesty, it was literally just a bottle with, like, some bristles on the end. I thought it was quite funny. But it worked. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, yeah,
1: it was.
0: Yeah, so how did you go from that – yeah. So, how do you go from that into like a actual like physical product that you could show to people? You could sell. Like, how did that happen?
1: Um, so, I think the the way in that I was lucky was I had a family friend um, who's a three D like sorry, not three D. he's a basically he does like three D prototypes and he does design work, um, and he's he's really good at what he does. A guy called Matt Hurley. Um, I'd recommend him to to a lot of people if they have any ideas or things like that. Um, he, yeah, he's, he does phenomenal work, but so Matt, uh, is a really good family friend. Uh, we kind of went to him and said, we have an idea. Would you mind helping us out? So he, he worked with us. He did a lot of CAD and he made us our first 3d prototype, uh, from the crude plastic bottle version that i had that you mentioned before and um yeah we tested that even though you know that prototype was nowhere near even being usable you know it was just purely aesthetic we still used it because he made a couple of other variations that could be used um but obviously like any prototype it was it wasn't like you could use them you know regularly however that being said one of his prototypes we did use to clean over 70 pair of boots with i think a liter of water or a liter and a half something like that um but yeah anyway sorry i'm sidetracking now but we took that prototype and we did some research online for local plastics factory uh like you know people who could help us get this into manufacturing um and we found a uh, a pe- uh, like a, a family business as well which was important to us um so these guys yeah. who we worked with were not too far from us they're based in oxfordshire and we just went to their factory showed them the prototype had a had a kind of conversation with them it wasn't really too formal obviously it was somewhat formal because it was the first time meeting them but it wasn't like you know sitting down and saying we want x amount of units by this time whatever yeah, it was yeah, kind yeah. of you know, working with them because obviously this idea had never been done before. So it was all brand new and these guys are fantastic as well. Um, but yeah, so so they're, they're a family-based factory in Oxfordshire and they essentially helped us make our first runs of Boot Buddies um, and then they got us to the one that was not just a prototype but actually ready for production and we did our first run with them. Uh, the only problems we had was the fact that because it's uk manufacturing the cost was just astronomical um yeah
0: that's what i was going to ask you
1: yeah but i mean the thing is though the costs yes they were high so we had to retail the products originally for about 25 pounds um which is quite a lot and you know there were obviously perks to it such as you know being made in the uk and the, the quality was phenomenal like there's there's no way around it that the level of you know engineering and kind of quality put into that boot buddy was yeah it's fantastic um and we managed to replicate that as we went along so that they they really set the bar quite high uh which was amazing yeah and then you know we kind of slowly moved from them to uh, a european factory um because you know the uk was just too expensive so we thought okay let's try europe it's it's slightly cheaper the only problem was when we got our supply from them the product would come all in different pieces it wasn't actually fully assembled so you'd have the boot body was broken up into roughly five parts um, which we'd have to assemble ourselves once it came to us landed in the uk um so that that was a bit of a bit of a pain because if we had a big order, it meant that quite literally my brother and I, even my mum or whoever we could muster around, um, would come help put these products together um so we could send yeah. them out. Um but it's like
0: Lego. You know,
1: yeah, pretty well. <laughs> it was like, yeah, painful Lego because it was, you know, it was uh actually quite intense because we were like if we mess up a product that's it it's just gone straight in the bin so um yeah yeah but then um you know we also then had uh a little something called brexit
0: uh that got in the way
1: (laughs) and uh i'll tell you what
0: though i kind of miss brexit all the stuff going on now
1: (laughs) yeah i i I, yeah i think i agree with you there brexit was a lot easier to deal with than this um (laughs) but yeah yeah, carry on (laughs) but yeah so um after after Brexit was announced and, you know, things in Europe started becoming a bit tricky. Uh, we just went, okay, t- the the time is now to move to China, I guess. And since then we've been working from China. Uh, we've worked with different factories in China and we're, we're, yeah, we're actually quite happy with where the product is now. It's, you know, still got the very high quality that we've always intended it to have since the day we used the the UK factory but yeah. the price point is just yeah it's it's nowhere near as high
0: yeah yeah before we talk about china cuz i'm kind of interested in that as well before we talk about that when you approach those like uk factories mm. like i'm just i'm just thinking about it from like say if another person listening has an idea for a physical product do you have to go to them with act, like something to show them or do you actually can you just go to them with an idea like what stage were you at when you actually went to those people
1: well this is the thing you can go to them with the idea um so essentially you could do what i did with uh our family friend matt hurley which is we did all the, like the cad work together and looked at uh, different variations and different design ideas and things like that um and cad is quite useful because it's essentially Having the three D drawings on a on a digital format, so it can be edited, and you know it, the product can be shaped, and you know alterations can be made quite quickly, uh, rather than you know the, t- the the old school physical drawings. Um, now, yeah, you can you can just go to the factory and and get them to do that, but I feel like if you can go to them with the the CAD already, or or you know something which has some clear cut design cues and you know uh mechanical aspects to it where they can just you know pick up on on that drawing or cad and then make changes then then it's the, it makes the process a lot quicker essentially
0: yeah, yeah yeah is is the cad i'm not very familiar with this is it literally just a like computerized drawing of your product <laughs>
1: precisely and um it the the difference is uh you can actually make the image um basically you can so when you make the image you have to draw it and then you can make it three-dimensional afterwards but you can make each aspect of the product um fit to measure so you can you can put in certain measurements and make certain parts of the product as long or as short as you'd like or as wide or as narrow okay It, it it's kind of it yeah it it's used by architects for example when they design buildings. so you kind of yeah yeah, it's useful really in-depth detail and it just helps the the manufacturers see what they need to do and and see where certain things need to finish and how how the product will be made and all that kind of stuff
0: okay cool but so but like your your family friend did that for you
1: yeah i mean yeah yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I've I've messed around with CAD and I've done some of that stuff myself. But to get such high level high level quality, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. he helped quite a lot because, he, like I said, what he does is he's phenomenal at his work. He's actually he's one of the people's uh, who will go to different universities to help design students and give them kind of tips and advice because he's he's also a lecturer. Um, I can't remember where which is quite useful but um, he's no yeah he's really good at, his, at cad and
0: designing things why if you don't have a contact like that and you just want to like yeah but you want to start a physical product what's the sort of like stage to get to that cad process and like how expensive uh, would that be
1: pretty much uh google because if i didn't know him uh i would have just googled someone who could do that and then you know uh, same with the factories. I never knew the people who own the factories. Never. I had no experience in that at all. And I just used Google to kind of do some research. And then once you start talking to people in that industry, then they start suggesting names and then you can just, you know, reach out to different people and they, they usually put you on the right track. Um, But yeah, that, that for someone who kind of doesn't have those contacts, I'd say Google a variety of people, get in contact with them, and kind of see who do you think will be the best fit for you or who seems to be the person who's going to help you out the most. Um, Because, you know, these drawings and things like that, they're not cheap. They can set you back like thousands of pounds. Um, Mm. You know, again, I was fortunate in the sense that Matt is a family friend. So, you know, he didn't charge us, you know, crazy amounts. Whereas someone else who we don't know, who kind of would have seen, oh, it's just like a young kid Who's got an idea? We can probably fleece him for for quite a bit, you know. That that that's kind yeah. of those are the pitfalls you have to look at.
0: How how sort of like what's the sort of standard amount that these guys would take for 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 one of these CAD projects?
1: Um, see, this is the thing. I don't really know off the top of my head uh, because it was such a long time ago.
0: But yeah,
1: drawings can set you back hundreds of pounds um and for actual prototypes and things like that you can end up spending maybe two and a half grand so, so you know within within that kind of region of things maybe okay. even sometimes even sometimes you could, depending on the product or how many you make or things like that you could you could easily spend five thousand um it just depends really I, I mean obviously these are just ballpark figures uh, as everything is quite different you know when when you're designing these products they're not all the same so there's different problems or you know different shortcuts that you can take um so it just depends really but those are the kind of rough figures i would say to anyone you know if you're looking to go yeah, yeah, that, yeah. just make sure you have some money set aside i guess
0: yeah yeah, yeah. how much did you spend on the on the prototyping phase that's a good question
1: um do I remember? I think I spent... A... <laughs> uh, this is the problem now. I actually don't remember. Uh, I want to say maybe around the figure I just mentioned, about two and a half. Okay. But I don't know. Uh, I I don't know if it was less. That's the thing. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah. It could have
1: been... It, actually, it could have been more. But I, I, again, my memory is so... You know, from, from that stage, it's so far back I, I don't even remember
0: much <laughs> yeah yeah all right so and then then you transition to china how was that transition to china because i've heard from from lauren bell who was on the, the podcast before it was a really really different process to you know contacting uk and european manufacturers
1: oh yeah it's so much more difficult because so like from the basic kind of view there's a time difference obviously so that that kind of plays a big factor in when you get responses or when you respond and that kind of stuff so that can slow down the process um but also i don't know if you're familiar with most of these kind of china horror stories of when you know you you chat to a factory and they send you a, a perfect sample and then you place an order and it's just complete garbage um so that yeah that that's happened to us um so for example one of our orders from china you twist the the head of the boot buddy a couple of times and then it would just pop off so what we had to do then was open up every single boot buddy um and this was like i mean thousands of units we're talking here and we'd have to essentially use uh a certain product that we have to allow lubrication to get into the head of the boot body, because what happened was the factory weren't doing that. They were trying to cut corners, um, to reduce yeah. their kind of production times. And we had to do it ourselves. So the process was we'd cut boot buddies out of the blister packaging. And that was a big pain anyway, because you know, they have they're vacuum sealed. So once you open them, you can't put them back in. So we've opened them out of the packaging. We've then had to repackage them in in old packaging that we bought more of. Um, And then we had to put them back into boxes, put the boxes onto pallets, um, shrink wrap the pallets, and then send them out to customers such as Sports Direct and whatnot, just so that we didn't lose, um, you know, that kind of respect of, oh, well, these guys are, you know, they're delivering us subpar products. Why should we carry on working with them? Yeah. So that was that was intense. I, I remember we did that for a long, long time. We were essentially just, you know, trying to cover our own backs. And in, in that, we didn't even we didn't even make money on some of those ones. We we kind of either broke even or we only made like a pound or, or or something ridiculous like that. So, you know that that was unfortunate. But again, it's part of the learning curve, you know. And and thankfully, we found a solution and we fixed it all. But yeah, that mm. that was that's a personal experience from uh the chinese horror horror stories of manufacturing that circulate
0: yeah was was china before or after dragons den
1: uh it was after but uh it wasn't in the immediate kind of future after
0: dragons den it's something Okay so you didn't we... get any like help for it that's what i'm trying to trying to say
1: yeah i mean we did in the sense that so for example, Deborah helped us with the connection in China. Uh, it was a, another UK-based company who had links to factories in China. And obviously, sometimes the Chinese factories never get it right. So we had problems there. Um, But there was the benefit of the fact that the guys were based in the UK. So we could contact them on our time. It wasn't kind of, we had to wait for a response because the the time difference. So that was nice yeah um and even now the factory we use now um is is through tuca who has someone who does you know who specializes in kind of sourcing and and helps businesses out with kind of sourcing raw materials or sourcing products and things like that so he's helping us at the moment and yeah actually the the product we've got at the moment is is fantastic um it's that high quality that we wanted at a cheaper price
0: yeah yeah, yeah so that, that brings me quite nicely to where the company is right now so uh so what, like how many like orders are you getting like with you got like your biggest client sports direct I, I saw as well
1: yeah so um i guess in terms of retailers and things like that yes we we work with sports direct um and we've, we've worked with them for quite a while um so that's quite nice to, to be able to have that relationship with them that we've built up over the years um we worked with other people such as um uh, what's it called pets at home for other products so we have poor buddy uh, which is our pet yeah. version so so you know there's different retailers we work with um you know we we kind of in that aspect we are looking to work with more retailers and things like that however we're just kind of we're just waiting to get a couple of things in line before we go back and pitch to the the, you know, the supermarkets and things like that. Because we have done pitches with them, you know, people do love the product, but it's just a case of um, there's always a common factor of you need a skew line. So like if if you're going into their stores, they want to see a nice product range, which is something that we've now developed. So obviously we've got our boot buddy, our paw buddy, and we've got our three sprays, such as the you know protect spray, which is like a a nano coating that is used to protect your shoes from kind of rain and, and muddy water and things like that. Um, so, so we do have sprays that you know complement the product. So that that's nice. Yeah. So that that's a range. But yeah, in terms of that, that's retail. Um, online, we do we do quite well on our own website and of course on Amazon. I guess that's those are the two big big things for us is our website and amazon i think
0: i thought sports direct would be would we have more sort of orders coming in
1: yeah i think sports Direct is a, it don't get me wrong sports Direct is, a, is is our biggest um customer in terms of you know at one time they'll take x amount of units but in terms of what i value in terms of getting the feedback directly from customers and and, and things like that uh yeah the the website is is fantastic for that because we have We have like a team of customer service people dedicated to getting back to people so they get the they get same day responses. Um obviously when it's Christmas time, that may change. Maybe it's like a twenty four hour delay, but that's just because there's a high volume of inquiry and things like that. But yeah, that in terms of uh value of being able to hear direct feedback from the customers and, you know, kind of seeing what our target market is and and seeing the majority of people who are ordering what they're ordering where they're ordering from so like different countries and and things like that yeah our website is is fantastic
0: for that yeah yeah that's cool and kind of moving on from boot buddy um have you got any like new ideas for for new businesses that you want to go into
1: obviously i I should just to quickly go back to it but we do have different variations that are coming out of boot buddy that's great but in terms of other businesses, there are yeah, yeah. a few other things. Yeah, other things that I definitely do want to start up. So there is, um, I do want to start a watch business because I, I love watches. So kind of um, making my own brand of watches and, and selling those would be something that I think would be quite cool because, I, yeah, that's like a hobby of mine. Um, and then I guess slowly but surely investing in other people's businesses and investing in other types of of, you know businesses such as uh property and, and whatnot that would be
0: quite interesting yeah that's really cool um so yeah this is like massively like we've gone over for quite a long time this is like pretty pretty long for my my sort of podcast but it's really it's been really interesting uh so yeah like we should probably like wrap it up there um yeah, that's right. how can people like yeah firstly i like, thank you so much arminda for joining me on the podcast and how can people kind of like stay in touch with you uh and boot buddy in the future
1: Oh well I've got to say thank you very much for having me. It's been a it's been a pleasure to um to join the podcast today. But um yeah, so in terms of reaching out to us, obviously we have our website bootbuddy.com where you can get in touch with with us on our email links there. Um obviously there's the typical social media app. So you know it's just bootbuddy across Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, even TikTok now. Um <laughs> Jumps in the TikTok yeah.
0: bandwagon, wagon. Yeah. yeah, TikTok's good. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, well, for us especially, because when you have your cleaning videos of like trainers and, and muddy boots yeah. getting cleaned really quickly, that seems to catch people's attention. So TikTok actually for us is, uh, is quite ideal. But um, yeah, in terms of reaching out to us, reach out to us there. I mean, we have people reach out to us with business ideas or you know, questions about the product. So you
0: know, I look forward to hearing from people um, you know regardless of what it is okay great so yeah thanks again Arminda, and uh yeah have a great day thank you very much thank you so much for listening to this episode of the manual entrepreneur it's an absolute pleasure talking to Arminda from Boo buddy and um yeah really inspiring to hear about about his journey at such a young age as well yeah crazy uh, and really inspiring if you did enjoy please be sure to leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts that really does help help us out. Uh, any feedback would be amazing as well. Uh, you, can, you can do that in the written feedback or you can actually message me directly on the Instagram page. Be sure to follow that as well. It's in the link below in the description. And yeah, thanks for listening again. My name's been and I'll see you in the next episode.